Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Victory Green Hour as the Philadelphia Eagles are now 4-0, the lone undefeated team in the National Football League as they have defeated, coming off of a victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 29-21. to I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, we, we wanted to see if the Eagles and Jalen Hurts could come back from adversity and down 14 nothing, scoring 29 straight points. I think it's safe to say that they passed test number one. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the next test is, and we don't make the schedule, but face that adversity against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Green Bay Packers or the Buffalo Bills and see if you can pull that out again. But for now, I mean, given all the excuses I see on Twitter, especially from a salty Dallas Cowboys fan base, this win was a lot bigger win than anybody wants to give it. And for the people who continue, like Hassan Reddick said, we played in the same weather. How come it's us that have to have the excuses against us and not the Jaguars? Mm -hmm. Because we both played that same weather and the Eagles just happened to start slow and then absolutely dominate the remainder of the game. So the all the excuses that are coming out, it's, it's honestly getting old. And I know that we've been the ones to kind of show some of those excuses in prior episodes. But, I mean, look who we faced. I guess we had the right to. Now, this was a team who was like a top team against the – who was a much improved team, top team against the Rush. The Rush dominated when they needed to dominate. The defense dominated the offense, even though Trevor Lawrence was looking like Trevor Lawrence, the first round, first pick overall that everyone thought this generational talent was. Then we shut that offense down completely. And – uh, we're going to dig into the injury aspect of this, but injuries are no excuse for the Jags because we lost our starting left tackle, our starting cornerback. We Start lost our guard. starting right guard. We lost our – the list goes on. So whatever you – they're missing what uh, a cornerback, a couple wide receivers is is nothing uh, when you yeah. look at it Yeah, I mean both doesn't sides. Even, doesn't even include Jake Elliott who, who – and it's not – it didn't affect this past game, but they did sign a kicker today, um, which could affect the game coming up um, in Arizona, which we'll talk about on Friday. But, um, yeah, you know, we don't make the schedule. The Eagles don't make the schedule. you got to play who's in front of them, and, and you're right. There's a bunch of fans of other teams, notably the, the, the Dallas Cow Turds, or Cowboys, I should say, that, um, you know, they say, oh, your schedule's easy. You know, I'm pretty sure coming into the year, didn't Dallas have an easier schedule than the Eagles? Like I, know, I, actually, I, know. I actually think it was the Commanders, the Giants, and the Eagles who had the easiest schedule, and then they were like 25th out of 32 teams. So they don't get off by saying, oh, your schedule's so easy. We were all in the bottom like fourth or fifth of the league for strength of schedule. So there's yeah. no – you can't roll the dice one way just because your strength of schedule was this much better than ours by like whatever the two – teams because the Cowboys won the division last year, right? Yeah. 
So they would have got the two stronger teams from whatever the NFC and the AFC divisions that we face. So obviously they got slightly superior talent there, but not even enough to put them in like outside of the bottom 10 in the NFL. All I, all I know is that in two weeks, you know, all the talk is going to be over. <laughs> They're going to play a game. The Eagles and the Cowboys are going to play a game and we'll see what happens in that first matchup. Um, but let's, let's talk about this Jaguars game. Um, Jalen Hurts did not have his best game and the Eagles were able to adjust, move into the run game. With, it was really, really bad weather. Like it was just raining, hard rain, really windy. You saw the one uh, extra point by Jake Elliott. It was right down the middle and then just curved off to the right. It was it was crazy how, how windy it was. Um, the, the Jaguars jumping out to a 14-0 lead on the strength of a, a pick six by, Sis, by Sis Andrew, uh, Andre Sisco. And then uh, Jamal Agnew, of all people, um, really had, had himself a good game for, for the Jaguars at the receiver position. And, you know, before we – I think the one thing we both said on Friday, I know I said it, is the Jaguars are going to come out and play for Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson coaching against his old team, the team that he won a Super Bowl with, has a statue out, out in front of the stadium or outside the stadium. You know, you knew that they were going to come out play, playing tough for him. But the one thing you can't predict is how are certain players, how are, how are teams going to um, play in bad weather? And Trevor Lawrence really did, did struggle when it rained. Like, he, fumbled the, he fumbled the ball three or four times, lost a couple of them. Hassan Reddick had two strip sacks, um, you know, on fourth down on one of the places when he fumbled. And he had a chance. If he didn't fumble, he could have ran for a first down. Or he had somebody open down the field that he could have passed it to. You know, they're, they're the bounces that sometimes don't go your way. And the last couple of years, they may not have gone the Eagles' way. And this year, they just seem to go the Eagles' way, at least in this past Sunday's game. Yeah, and that's just the way some of the games go. You have to have this expectation that eventually the games are going to go your way or the feeling that the games are going to eventually go your way. And that's definitely what happened this past Sunday. I mean, not to not to take anything away from the Eagles and how hard they worked and that it just saying, oh, it was lady luck being on our side. No, they, they played hard. Miles Sanders played really good. Jalen Hurts played really good minus the pick six early on. That was that was probably his worst decision of the game, and he paid for it. And then he never made a decision that bad again for the rest of the game. It was really it was him really trying to force a ball in there that didn't need to be forced in there, and to make matters worse, he threw behind the receiver. So at the end of the day, while while we can go on about the pick six, and and I know a lot of people were tweeting, oh I oh. I thought, I can't remember, but there was a lot of people who were retweeting that highlight and it was way too early to be talking gar- talking smack that yeah. early in the game, especially in a weather game like that. We admit it was a bad decision, but he definitely made up for it down the line. A.J. Brown had a massive game. Dallas Goddard had a really good game. Um, Devontae Smith, while not an amazing game, he had an effective game. Like both, uh, Considering the weather, the heavier top three wide receivers go... Uh, five and seven, five and six, and three and four is actually really good. And one drop between the three of them, that's really good, especially given the weather conditions that were there. And um, the, that was a big drop by Goddard, too, because that was a touchdown if he didn't drop it. Absolute massive drop by Dallas Goddard, too. But uh, I mean, and one thing that stood out to me, and because of the run game aspect, and I know that it was mostly a Miles Sanders game, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it, and I was very critical of this guy last year. Trey Sermon deserves a play over Kenneth Gainwell. I think he deserves to play over Boston Scott. He deserves to play over Boston Scott, not Kenny Gainwell. 
I think I think it was what he had. Uh, let's see. So Trey Sermon, he had two attempts and he had 19 yards. Kenneth Gainwell had five attempts for 19 yards. But he was also not very effective in the pass game, which is where we need Kenneth Gainwell to be effective because that is what we brought him in for. Um, but Trey Sermon, for the very, very limited opportunities that he was given on three snaps and he got two attempts and averaged 9.5 yards per carry, he definitely needs to get more of a look, I think. And and maybe it was just the luck of the draw of that game and he had got some good breaks, but we know this offensive line is really, really good for the running backs. So I think the Trey Sermon can be extremely effective. And at the very minimum, like you said, he should be in there over Boston Scott. I think eventually he'll end up being the number two back. Um, you know, he got here late, I think right before the regular season started. So, like, he's got to learn the playbook, obviously, and, and like, learn how the offensive line blocks, communicates. Um, and But it was also tough to take uh, take Boston Scott and, and Kenny Gainwell kind of off the field a little bit. They were, they were both being semi-productive. Um, you know, Gainwell scored this past week. But you're right, like, Sermon, when he got, when he got on the field, had his opportunities. He had a – he made the most of them, but you know, I want to talk about Miles Sanders career high in carries career. high. I think that was a career high in yards tied a career. high. T- like he, when the Eagles needed him, that he, he answered the bell. He answered the, he answered it. And that's the one, I think one thing we always had questions about when it came to Miles Sanders was a, can he stay healthy and B will he be able to stay healthy if he's giving the amount of carries that he was being given. And they just kept feeding him the ball, and he kept get, he was patient. Like he's such a different runner this year. My only thing is it's a contract year, so it's not, I'm kind of not surprised that he's performing that way. My worry, if they were to give him a contract, were to bring him back, does he continue this type of play like next year, like where he's already got the money and he's not going to be playing for a new contract, or does he go revert back to how he was a couple of years ago? But for the the moment, for the, for what they needed, man, he was really really good on Sunday. Extremely, and he he was the best pass catching back as well. He had two receptions on three targets for twenty two yards. Like you said, just to share some numbers: twenty seven for one thirty four. That's a five yards per attempt. Two touchdowns, eighty yards after contact, including six missed tackles forced. That was just an extremely efficient game on the gram for Miles Sanders. And and like you said, we both like, I know, I know when we were talking about it on Thursday, I said, I don't think this is going to be a Miles Sanders game. This is one of the best teams against the run. I don't think that Miles Sanders is going to be able to have a big game. And Miles Sanders, you proved me wrong. I know you're probably not listening, but I mean, you, you forced me to shut my mouth on Sunday when That's I so saw proud. that because that was extremely effective. And like you said, it is a contract year. I mean, you look at the contracts that running backs are getting, there's not, there's not, and the way that Howie is, there's no reason to believe that he's going to get this monster contract and Howie won't pay out a monster contract for running backs. Like this running back free agency is massive. And I think that with this offensive line, you can easily move on from a guy like Miles Sanders, not to speak down to him and make it a negative conversation after the massive game that he had, but it is easy to move on from running backs. And if Miles Sanders is most effective behind this offensive line and doing this well behind this defensive line, and he's staying healthy this year behind this defensive or offensive line, sorry, then I think this is a spot that I would want to stay for three or four more years, get two of two of those guaranteed, two and a half of those guaranteed, and just enjoy the rest of my career behind it, an offensive line coached by Jeff Stoutland. 
Yeah, and I think the the one thing about the running back position with the Eagles, and we've talked about it with other positions, which kind of has turned because the Eagles have put assets in, into, like, say, linebacker and safety. They don't really value the running back position, but it's not even just the Eagles. Most NFL teams don't value the running back position. I mean, the Giants made a mistake drafting Saquon Barkley. Dallas made a mistake paying Zeke Elliott. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, if it wasn't for Saquon this year, there'd be no Giants offense. So I think we they have still to made a mistake. They still made a mistake. They still it was made a, a rich investment. It. Yes, agreed. But um, you wait, somebody's doing it this year. Bijan Robinson, somebody is going to be paying very well, rich. Off the running back, hot, like top five, top 10, top even top 15, maybe even first round. Um, like when the Giants took not or the Steelers took Najee Harris, I still think that was, and I, I love Najee Harris, still think that was a little bit of a reach. If, he, but if he, the guy's good enough, I think to get that fifth year option, get him in the first round, like Bijan Robinson, and there's a couple other backs this year, I think get that fifth year option out of them, but otherwise, yeah, you usually can let it slide. I like, let, let's play a hypothetical if the Eagles have the 32nd overall pick and Bijan Robinson's there, maybe, but I'm not taking him in the, definitely not in the top half of the draft. I don't think you take a running back in the top half of the draft, but the Eagles, I mean, they're always going to be a running back by committee team, especially since they want to throw the football. It just happened to be terrible weather. Jalen struggling just a little bit while he struggled. He still had a pretty good game. Like it wasn't, it wasn't his best game. He didn't have, he, he had under 250 total yards of offense through that pick six, but he scored a, he scored a rushing touchdown and he was still able to get the ball, you know, put the ball where it needed to be in, in crucial spots you know, fourth on the the his touchdown run, it was fourth down. Like they had a they, they went from a third, I think it was like a third and seven, a third and goal from the 17. He was able to run the ball, get it inside the five, and that allowed Coach Siri, Nick Sirianni to to allow them to go for it. So like there there's the key plays that don't show up into stat sheets that that you don't see that make really big impacts on games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and I think another thing that, that needs to be pointed out, they dominated time of possession. They nearly doubled Jacksonville's time of possession on offense, 39-51 to 20-09. That is massive. And I think that that definitely has to be some credit has to be given A to the defense because the defense was forcing these turnovers and putting the offense in this situation, but B to Nick Sirianni for coming out with a really effective game plan, given that, or Shane Steichen, I guess it would be Shane Steichen for a very effective game plan in this weather and making sure that one of the biggest things that we talked about last week was that they continue to dominate that time of possession take the ball out of Trevor Lawrence's hands. And when you put the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hands, he was making mistakes. He wasn't able to get into a rhythm and he was making mistakes. He was dropping the ball. The weather was getting to him and the weather. And to be honest, I and I know we're going to move to the Jacksonville Jaguars offense in a little bit against our defense, but I thought that they're, they would run the ball a lot more. I was texting a buddy of mine who's a Jags fan. And I really thought that they came out trying to force a lot versus using the run game, which is likely which likely would have been far more effective early on. But they really kind of moved away from something that they were pretty good at with Travis Etienne and James Robinson. And to see Travis Etienne as their lead rusher with eight carries and 32 yards means that the Philadelphia Eagles did a lot of good things um, on defense against the, against the running backs as well. Yeah, and I think that had a lot to do with Levante Maddox out, so Josiah Scott against Christian Kirk. And then Darius Slay got hurt, and he he missed what the last two and a half two 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 and a half quarters of the game. So I think that's where Doug Peterson kind of gets in his own way a little bit. It's like, 
oh, I'm going to throw the ball, and I don't care what this like what the weather is. I'm gonna we're gonna try to take advantage of this. Josiah Scott, I mean, while he was out of position on, on a couple of plays, he did really well against. And I know he had help, but he did really well against Christian Kirk. Like Christian Kirk, he didn't he didn't catch the ball until what the third quarter. It was it was crazy how well they were able to lock to to keep him kind of just lock him up and not allow him to have a, have a a, a a positive impact for Jacksonville on the game. Uh, but but in regards to the Eagles' offense, look, they've been able to win in the first in this first month of the season. They've been able to win games a couple different ways: running the football, throwing the football, a shootout. You know, only scoring in one quarter. Like they have proven that they are a really well coached team, and that they have a lot of, you know, a lot of spunk. Like it's so hard. Jalen said it after the game. It's like we were down fourteen nothing. We didn't let it phase us. And it's it's just crazy how well this team has been able to perform. And obviously, they haven't played the, the top tier competition, but. A lot, this this builds confidence going to later into the year. When you go to face Dallas, when you go to face Green Bay, and kind of there might be the only two good teams left on the schedule. Um, but but still, like it, it builds confidence and it allows like you, you, they started the season two and five last year. They're four and zero right now. Like you, they have the, the if the playoff obviously if the playoff were to start today, they have home field advantage type of deal. Like you you don't have a loss, so you have that little advantage over. The other teams that are chasing you, you know, as we get down to the, you know, towards the end of the year, these this, these games can matter. Beat the NFC teams, obviously, so you have that, you know, that advantage over them because you have the the, the win. So that if you have to get to the, you know, if, if you have to look at common opponents or look at the the head to head, that that can make the difference between the number three seed, two seed, or one seed. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all those points. And I mean, I want to throw one more thing out on the offense. Shout out to the offensive line. Of course, as always, the offensive line did a really great job. But shout out most importantly to a guy we were talking about as a starting right guard who played left tackle for 74 snaps, Jack Driscoll, who stepped in for Jordan Mailata. While we allowed five pressures, four of them being uh, put on Jack Driscoll, this is a guy who played the right side of the line for the majority of his career so far in Philadelphia, and you boot him out to left tackle. That is a testament again to Jack Stout. And he was and going then, up against Trayvon Walker, the number one overall Trevor, pick. Exactly. And like, look, five pressures and one sack. That was it. Five pressures, one sack allowed against linebackers that me and you were freaking out about on the episode on Thursday. We were most nervous that of all the positions when we ran down the line, this was the one that we thought Jacksonville could take full advantage of us, get after, potentially get after the quarterback, potentially get Jalen Hurts moving, maybe even making the mistakes that Trevor Lawrence was making based on the weather. Um, so definitely a massive shout out. I, I really had to throw Jack Driscoll in there more while the game may not have been extremely good in his favor, given that he gave up the most pressures. The fact that he did give up the four pressures and one and the one sack, he, he was the one who gave that up. That's fine to me because he got booted their side of the line that he's barely played at, but that versatility was massive and very much needed, especially when Jordan Mailata went down. And while I know, um, Nick Sirianni said, that these guys, uh, most of the guys who are injured have a good chance of playing this week or have a chance to play. I really hope, I think one of the biggest ones 
is gonna be is gonna be Jordan Mailata. Making sure that Jordan Mailata can play is is a huge one. But being healthy is also very much needed. Uh, if he there's tried a team, to get, and he tried to get back into the game, but he just didn't have any power on his shoulder, so like he he wasn't gonna be effective. So I mean, mm-hmm. credit goes to to Jeff Stoutland, you know, coaching these guys up, and also goes to Howie because we know that they prioritize the offensive and defensive lines and two of your starters go down in the same game and you throw two backups in and it's like, it, it's like they've been in there the entire season. Um, Suo Peta and, and Jack Driscoll. So like they, they deserve a lot of credit, um, you know, how he does. And, and obviously, you know, Jeff Stoutland, man, I don't know what we're going to do whenever he retires. I don't want him to ever retire. I want him to coach forever. But we, we both know that that's not going to happen. Um, so, like, we have to embrace having him be our offensive line coach because he is a Hall of Famer when it comes to, to coaching the offensive line. And uh, just I'll put up here uh, Benjamin McClellan's, McClellan. uh, McClellan's uh, uh, comment here. Yuppers, Miles Sanders is showing that he wants that bag. Benjamin's come contract extension time. I just pulled it up on Spot Track. They have his current market value at $8.5 million. Um, I'll tell you right now how he can probably work some magic to get it a little bit lower than eight and a half million dollars. And I, but I think the biggest thing is figuring out how to rig that contract to have enough guarantees to keep him around. It say, because one of the big things with running backs is getting that guaranteed money because they're the injury. They're one of the positions most affected by injuries. So say you can get him down into the 7.5 million range and offer him a little bit more guaranteed money. 100%. I'm all for paying Miles Sanders that type of money if he's going to be this effective behind this offensive line for the next three to four years. And I would say you're probably locking him up for four years. Give him three years guaranteed if this continues, if this season continues. Miles Sanders is one of those guys, unless you're getting him on the cheap, I do not want to see him getting a contract in season. I want to see him go the entirety of the season and see what he does, and then we can figure out what we want to do from there. Oh, yeah, and again, we know how he likes to give out contracts during the season, but I think that C.J. Gardner-Johnson's probably one that, if he can continue to show that he can be a safety. C.J. Edwards should get one. Kaiser White, like there are guys that should or that have the potential to get contracts over Miles Sanders within the season. Again, I'm waiting, like you said, I'm waiting till the end of the season with Miles because we know – just his history, injury history and all that. Um, you know, if they're able to get him on, on a nice contract to come back, sure. But the Eagles are always going to prioritize – when it comes to the running back position, it's going to mainly be running back by committee. Now, I, I do think that this past Sunday was an outlier, giving him 27 carries and all that. Um, but we'll see – we'll, we'll definitely see how it goes. It, it was – look, he answered the bell when we needed it to. We needed him to. Got a couple of touchdowns. Was the bell Was the bell cow. And, and that's what we've been waiting to see since he's been drafted. Um, so, you know, just everybody on that offense, everybody in the offensive coaching staff, they deserve a lot of credit because they didn't get down on themselves when they went down 14 nothing. Now let's move over to the defensive side of the football. Again, they gave up 14 points and, and seven uh, were in late or in the fourth quarter. But um, the, the defense got a lot of pressure. The Eagles are number one in the NFL in sacks. Like, remember last year, didn't they only have, I think, 29 sacks for the entire year? They have 16 already in four games. So the money spent on Hassan Reddick, 
you know, the money's uh, TJ Edwards or the money's bringing back, um, you know, Fletcher Cox drafting Jordan Davis while they, while the sack, you know, for Jordan Davis, the sacks aren't there. I mean, he, he's making run, um, plays in the run game now. You know, obviously they got gashed the first game against Detroit, but the last the last three games they've been a lot better against the run. So I think they're during the twenties when it comes to against against the run right now. But if you t- and you can't take it out, but like since that Detroit game, they've been a lot better, and they're and Jordan Davis is getting into rhythm and they're getting him onto the field a little bit more. So they're not they don't have to force him on the field. We always talked about. Uh, you know, Nicobe Dean, he's not being forced onto the field because TJ Edwards and Kaiser White are playing really well. Well, if uh, Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox can continue to play well, you don't have to force Jordan Davis out there to be a pass rush specialist because that's not his game. Um, but they can put him out there in key spots when you know that the offense, the opposing offense may be running the ball. I mean, there was a play where I think it was James Robinson or it might, it might have been ETM. One of the running backs got to the got mm. outside. And who's the one that tackled him 10 yards downfield? It was Jordan Davis. So, like, he is – when he's on the field, he's giving it 110%, and that's all you can ask from your number one overall pick. Absolutely, and I, I posted – or, well, I shared a tweet uh, the other day and added my own math to it. Ruben Franks had the stat there that the Eagles are the only team in the NFL with five players with two sacks. You got Reddick, Graham, Cox, Sweat, and Edwards. Also, I noted the 2021 Eagles had 29 sacks in 17 games. Four games this season, they have 16 sacks. They're currently on pace for 68 total sacks. It's a massive number. It is a massive number. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but the fact that you can sit there and show, you know you're beating the 29. You know you're probably getting into the 40, 50 range. If if they don't beat 29 after having 16 and four games, something went severely wrong. And especially given the schedule, and I know that this is more fuel to the to the spiteful people who are going to say, oh, yeah, the schedule the schedule favors us getting more games like we just had where we're going to have four sacks, five sacks, six sacks. Like, it favors us to get it. No, are we going to have games where we're getting, like, the strip sacks and the weather playing to our favor? Or, like, Carson Wentz where we got nine sacks and everyone purely was out for blood with him? No, we're not always going to get those games. But you know that you're going to get some games where you can get those four or five sacks, a strip sack here, a strip sack there. Um, but ultimately that's all you need we're not asking for these games where you get six plus two strip sacks or nine sacks we don't well we want them but we don't necessarily always need them because there's other ways that our defense has been extremely effective and so far the defense has really stood up and stood the test of time and as long as they can continue to do that the offense can falter here and there for a little bit but obviously eventually there's going to be some games where the defense may falter and give some stuff up. And I mean, I know we kind of saw that week one against uh, Detroit, but like you said, one of the big ones was Jordan Davis had an extremely uh, good game. He was really effective. So that you like to see that. Um, And only in 17 snaps. So again, he did a really good job. The missed tackles were kept, to fairly at bay, they kept it to six. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson responsible for three of them. Of course, he's still probably warming up to the defense. And the fact that it, the weather probably makes everyone a little bit more slippery. Like I said earlier, Jalen Hurts had five missed tackles forced and Miles Sanders had six. So I think a lot of those missed tackles forced kind of have to do with weather as much as skill. Um, and then the pressures. We had 10 pressures and three sacks including Hassan Reddick, 
You got to shout out Hassan Reddick for this game. He had a massive game. Finally, the coming out that we needed. We kind of started to see a little bit in the prior game and we, that got us excited. And then this game, it was a full coming out of Hassan Reddick and why we paid this man the money that we paid him. And hopefully this is the beginning of a lot of great things to come with Reddick. Yeah, and, you know, he, he's had a, a great couple of weeks. The Eagles the Eagles have obviously had a great season thus far. Um, he's going to go up against this, uh, the team that drafted him, uh, you know, this upcoming week. We'll actually – we'll talk about more – we'll talk about that more on Friday. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, the Eagles took advantage when they needed to take advantage. They've been – you know, we, we, we talked about how we thought that the – I mean, Jacksonville would be their toughest te- test to, to, to point. The weather is the the big equalizer. I thought coming into the game when with, with the rainy weather that it actually favored Jacksonville because, A, they were number one against the run, and, and B, um, I, I think it'd be their game plan. They would have a more run-based game plan, and we know that the Eagles are trying to force the ball – or I don't want to say force it, but try to throw the ball. Um, and the Eagles were able to adjust right away, almost right, almost right away. And, you know, they're the number one scoring offense in the second quarter. It feels like as soon as it hits the second quarter, it's like, all right, let's play some football. And and it, it's crazy how how they're able to, to just turn it on. Um, and obviously it's going to come back to they, – they can't do that all the time. It might come back to, to haunt them. But, you know, the one thing – and, again, we mentioned it on the outside of this – we wanted to see how the Eagles answered to adversity. They were down 14 nothing. They didn't flinch. They didn't let it phase them. They didn't panic. They continued with their game plan, adjusted it a little from more of a pass-heavy probably to a to a run-heavy game plan. And within a blink of an eye, they scored 29 unanswered points. It was it was crazy. And you know that being able to score the touchdown um, at the end of the the, the second quarter. Like that's a big play because the Eagles kicked off first, so they were getting the ball to start the second half. So you know you have a chance to to steal fourteen points right there, and the Eagles were able to at least get seven. I think they punted on their first possession of the of the third quarter, but that stuff matters. That stuff you know takes a toll on the opposing team, and the Eagles have been able to take advantage of that so far in this early season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, I mean the good the bonus point is they they scored uh, they scored. Well, nine points because they went for the two-point conversion and failed. They scored nine points in the fourth quarter. So the the that's a bonus to me is the fact that they were able to go out there in the fourth quarter and actually put some points on the board, which is something we had not seen yet mm-hmm. from the Philadelphia Eagles was them putting points on the board. And well, they, they were up 20 to 14. So technically, I would say they definitely needed those points, but they were in a position where they were dominating Jacksonville and they didn't really need the points. But a field goal at minimum would have been nice to make it the two score game. And they got that field goal. And then the, the touchdown from Miles Sanders five yard run in the fourth quarter was icing on top for, for this game. So um, I mean, while yes, they dominate the second quarter, and while that may not always be the case, I mean, hopefully they'll dominate a different quarter in some games. You never know. But the fact that they scored in other in another quarter, they played against adversity, they were able to win out in this matchup against the weather. That's huge. Like it doesn't matter. The weather isn't always gonna play into your favor. Mm-hmm. And you never know what a game would have been like if the weather was nice at this point. What we we can say if ands and buts about Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, but at the end of the day, 
it there was there there is no reason to think about those because the game went the way the game went and we played in the same weather that they did and we were able mm-hmm. to put up 29 points to their 21 points and our defense was able to dominate Trevor Lawrence their defense was barely able to touch Jalen Hurts but we've all played in the same weather and we said one of the biggest things was that they could probably get after Jalen Hurts with those linebackers but those linebackers were kept at bay it was it was really an impressive game all around despite remember, the score. I don't remember hearing Devin Lloyd's name. I don't remember hearing Josh Allen's name. I don't remember hearing Javon Walker's name. Like I don't remember at all hearing their names. So like again, the offensive line, Jeff Allen, even you know, they all deserve a lot of credit for the protection and just the way they were able to run block. Um, you know, like Landon Dickerson um, is the number one when it comes to pass pass blocking, pass win rate, rush run win rate, whatever it is. He's number one of all guards in the NFL. Like he he's just doing an outstanding job as as the as the guard. And we talked about coming into the <clears throat> excuse me, we talked about coming into the when we drafted him, he was gonna be the center of the future. And what happens? He's he's the 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 left guard he's gonna be an all pro left guard. Um you know and the Eagles didn't even have to put Cam Jurgens in the game and we talked about how Cam Jurgens could potentially play play a guard position. They went to Sulu Opeta. Like, so that's how much depth is on this offensive line for the Eagles. And if, you know, the, their offensive line, their backups could probably start for 25, at least 25 other teams in the NFL. Like, I, I know that Joe Burrow would be dying to have the Eagles' second-string offensive line. Like, he would be dying to have it. And obviously they're going to be tested coming up. I mean, you have J.J. Watt this week. You get Dallas, Michael Parsons the week after before the bye. Then you get the Steelers. Like, there's going to be more tests coming up, but they have passed every test so far this year. Absolutely. I mean, schedule be damned. They have passed all the tests that need to be passed. They have 115 points for. They only have 71 points against. When you look around the NFL, there are not many teams that are putting up that type of pointage at this point in the season. When they were in a shootout with Detroit, they came out on top. When they were in this messy weather game, they've managed to come out on top. They've managed to to win when they needed to win. And last season, there were there were these games that slipped away where we should have won and we didn't win. So. I mean, you can sit there and talk about the schedule all you want, but you can only play what's in front of you. And the fact that they are playing these teams and winning Mm -hmm. is a massive bonus because they could have lost that game against Detroit. Some of these games we could be talking about completely differently, but they're able to pull out those wins. And it doesn't matter how you do it. If you have the easiest schedule and you only lose three or four games, then you did your job well and you did your job effective, especially when you consider you go when you go up against the division as much as you go up against your bound to falter against a divisional opponent mm-hmm. you know that happens with everybody so if we are able to win all the games but three or four then the real test comes in the playoffs but we dominated a schedule or at this point we're dominating a schedule we were supposed to dominate and that is not something that ha- always happens with the philadelphia eagles yeah i mean this is the first time since i think it was 2004 that the eagles have started for now they went to the super bowl that year that was the to to's first year with the eagles so you know you take all the positives that you can get. I mean, they are going to face adversity. They're not going 17-0. They are going to lose a game. It's going to happen. No need to fear, obviously, depending on how they lose the game. It could be. Could, let me, could let be. me just – I'm going to have to clip this out just in case we have to revisit this in week 18. 
I agree with you. I agree. In all honesty, I do agree with you. I'm sure there's people who think we're going 17 and 0, but yeah, I just I, I can't get behind. Now I was a guy who was stuck on 10 wins and wasn't going to waver, but now I'm starting to think. 11 or 12 really sounds pretty realistic at this point. And I say 11 or 12 because I feel like we'll lose it like three or four. And then week 18, we're probably going to be in a situation to just rest. And yeah. that could end up a loss. I think it's the Giants. It might not end up a loss. Um, we'll see. We'll see how the Giants are, are playing. We'll see who's playing quarterback for the Giants by then. Um, but yeah, so uh, before we move on to the unheralded player, Obviously not a surprise to us, but when Doug came out, got a huge ovation. It's like, and it's like all the sports shows were like, oh my God, Philly gave him an ovation because everybody that knows anything about Doug Peterson and his relationship with the Philadelphia fans and the Philadelphia Eagles knew he was going to get a, a huge ovation winning. Our, you know, he was the coach of the team that won our only Super Bowl. Um, and then at the end of the game, Jason Kelsey doing a, a jersey for jacket swap, which I thought was awesome. Um, all the all the guys that had played here, you know, Hertz and Kelsey and Johnson, everybody going up to Doug. Um, Stoutland went up to Doug. Everybody went up to Doug. It was just awesome to see that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, when when, when you're when, when the game's on the line or when you're playing the game, he's not going to get all that love. But for the game, after the game, got all the love that he deserved. Absolutely. I, I feel bad that you have to listen to radio stations that thought that Doug Peterson would not get any type of love or ovation. Well, Philly, definitely... radio, Philly radio stations knew he was going to get love. It's more of like the national media that because, you know, they always bring up the same stuff. Throw the snowballs at Santa Claus, cheer with Michael Irvin. Like they, they have nothing new to talk about when it comes to Philadelphia fans. This this is true, but I mean, you you knew you knew that the love was going to be like this. And I mean, I'm not discounting Sirianni and the culture that he built. But you can definitely tell based on the way that they went up to the number of players that went up to Doug Peterson versus the number of players that went up to Carson Wentz and how they spoke about Carson Wentz. I think Sirianni had the basis of the culture that exists today because of Doug Peterson. Mm -hmm. Doug Peterson built a tremendous culture there in Philadelphia, a tremendous culture in that locker room. While, you know, there was, you know, the Alshon Jeffrey, you know, uh, the some uh, and the Carson Wentz and his treatment of player other players and stuff. While there are some of those reports coming Orlando out, Skinner. he had the respect of ninety percent of the players, ninety five percent of the players, and they played for him. And the culture was built around that ninety five or ninety percent versus the five or ten percent that weren't bought into it. So I definitely think that we owe a little bit there to the culture that Nick Sirianni was able to build because some of those veterans that were there to help with that culture continue to be there today mm -hmm. and are prevalent and important in that culture today. So I think that that's huge. He deserved that ovation. He deserved all the love in the world. Oh, he definitely 100% agreed. Um, like the, obviously Doug's never going to have to buy a meal in this town. If he ever comes back, um, you know, it, when they have the 10 year reunion in five years or whatever, it's going to be, um, you know, if he's not co coaching, he'll be here. Even though I think even if he's coaching, he'll be there. And we already know that, like the, the reception you get. But yeah, so it was awesome to see that. Um, and and Eagles fans didn't let the rain like ruin the mojo. Like they were still out there in full force, and and that's that's to be expected by the uh, Philadelphia Eagles fans. All right, so let's move to our unheralded player of the week in the National Football League. It can be from any team; doesn't have to be strictly from the Eagles. And we don't want the Patrick Mahomes, even though that one touchdown that he threw was ridiculous. Like really who does a spin move on the field? Like really? 
Come on now. He, he, he's you, you know who does a spin move on the field. But listen, the thing with Mahomes is like people are like, you don't have to do that. The fact that he can do that and he actually makes things happen is absolutely insane. He also threw it to, to the running back I have in fantasy, so I was happy about that. I had Clyde, Clyde Edwards Clyde Edward on both my teams. So. But now who's your unheralded player of the week for week four in the National Football League? I know you would never do this, and most fans would never do this. But one of the biggest things I said and felt when Dak Prescott went down was that we would be in a position to run away with this division. We are in no way in a position to run away with this division because of my unheralded player of the week this week, and that's Cooper Rush. (laughs) The fact that the Cowboys are three and one blows my mind. The fact that Cooper Rush is undefeated as a starting quarterback absolutely blows my mind. The Their offense has not looked good, and their defense has probably been one of the biggest reasons to keep them alive and in games. So Cooper Rush had a fairly good game, 50 for 27, 223, two touchdowns, and they beat the Commanders, which obviously we destroyed the Commanders the week before. So you say, oh, pfft. Whatever, it's the Commanders. It's a divisional game like I alluded to earlier. I hate to do it. I hate giving it to Cooper Rush, but there's so few. Like, the big guys, the big names had the big games this week. It, it felt normal back in the NFL. But Cooper Rush keeping the Cowboys afloat and Dak being able to come back to a team that's in total control of their season. Dak to be me. back for the Eagles game. Dak will definitely be back for the Eagles game at this point. He got the stitch. I don't know. He was almost to ready Jones. to go. He was if almost ready to, to go Jones, this week. A, if it's up to Jerry Jones, he would stay with Cooper Rush. I'm start, I, As much as I want to say, oh, I don't think that's true. There's a part of me that's like, he would until Cooper Rush loses a football game, I feel like he'd rather ride Cooper Rush. He didn't want to pay Dak Prescott. Like, let's be real. Jerry Jones did not want to pay Dak Prescott. If he can find a way to get out of that contract, he will. But we'll see. Um, yeah, I would never pick a Cowboy, by the way. As I a, know, I know. Never. But, like, look around. Look at the big games. Look at the difference makers. They're, they're guys that they're not unheralded. So my unheralded player, yours, I'm going with Jack Driscoll and Subo Opeta. Like, like it. They, they, were, they were not expected to play in this game. Um, two offensive line injuries in the first half. I, th- I believe the, the the second one, I believe um, Sam Milo's injury was also was in the se- first, second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. But, like, you obviously practice all week with the anticipation that you might play. But let's be real. Like, the Eagles offensive line is pretty good to the point to where, like, it's it, the injuries may not happen. But they, they happen. And they came in. And you, you talked about Josh Dr- Jack Driscoll at the beginning of the, the beginning of this. You know, he, he's primarily been on the right side of the line, right tackle, right guard. He jumps over to left guard like it was no problem, like he's been playing it his entire career. No, you know, no, we no. Left we asked Andre Dillard to go. We asked Andre Dillard to go to right tackle, and he can't even make it a half. So, like, uh, and uh, Dillard could potentially be back this week. Who knows what's up with, with Mylotta as well. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, like, those two guys just stepping in, and I, while – Driscoll gave up some pressures here and there. Like he's he still did his job. The Eagles were still rushed, still rushed the ball for 50 times for over 200 yards. So them the, Driscoll and Sua Opeta 
are my unheralded players of the week. And, and I would say four. based on snap count that Samalu went down in the second half. He played 62 okay. snaps out of 82. So okay. I would assume that was probably a third quarter, probably even fourth quarter injury. But Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, but still, like the game. Driscoll is 100% warranted. 100%. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But, yeah, so that's all. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Jack Driscoll and you go with Cooper Rush. I only right. say it because I hate that the Philadelphia Eagles, who are 4-0, are not in a position to be second place, be 2-2 two and two or 1-3. and three. Like, I just... So, they beat in Cincinnati, whose offensive line is crap. And and Joe Burrow did not play a good game that day. Who did they beat last week? Not not the commanders. Who did they beat in between? Um, um, let me pull it up. Uh, they lost to the Bucks and have beat the Bengals, Giants, and Commanders. Yeah. All in very close games, except for the Commanders was a blowout. The Giants the are the worst three and one games. team. The Giants are the worst three and one team I've ever seen. Um, and the Commanders are just bad. And like they're, 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 there's fans talking about benching Car- Carson Wentz, which I want them to at least make it to the game in Philly before they bench him. Um, yeah, because they, I want to see. They that definitely reaction. want to go after him again. Well, I, want to, I just want to see that that reaction. He might want to be benched by that time. The vitriol that he will get um, at the link. Um, yeah, so like, and they get the Rams this week before they get us. So if like, Cooper rushes the quarterback this week and they beat the Rams, I I think I'm gonna cry. Like, if he beats the Rams, do you think he starts against us, or do you think Dak is definitely back? I think when Dak's healthy, Dak's back. I I just I, I again, think that, if it's it's listen, Jerry Jones' Jerry decisions. Jones, yeah, but I think Jerry Jones is just feeding into the the fan base and the, the 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 you know the quarterback controversy that they think exists. He's just talking out of his ass. This is a guy who doesn't know how to take a damn selfie. So <laughs> I don't trust his word on All right, so radio we, show. Before we finish off the Eagles, uh, we'll do our pre our pre show for the Eagles Cardinals and another reunion. Zach Ertz going up against the Eagles for the first time. Um, what are your quick thoughts on on that game and, and what kind of what we're going to talk about on Friday? I I I honestly think that Arizona's really bad. Like the word I I hate to say it, but like they're bad. And very Kyler bad Murray, Kyler Murray's really not worth the money he got paid. Like he's I get a, it, he can scramble, he can run. Yeah, he is. Like, it's cool to watch him run around and stuff, but he's really not efficient or effective at all. Like, I, I get why they wanted to put things in his contract to make him work harder and stuff, because I would start to be concerned by year three. When those guarantees are starting to wear down, what type of Kyler Murray are you going to get? Like, I think I think we should be able to dominate the, the Arizona Cardinals. To be honest, depending on the injuries, depending on the circumstances with injuries, we should be able to beat them pretty bad. I think they're a really bad. Were they two and two or three and one? They're really two not. They're not. They could easily be zero and four. Like they're really not that good of a football yeah, the Raiders team. Should have, they should, the Raiders should have beat them. I don't know how the Raiders lost that game. Yeah, like I'm just. I don't know. Like maybe I'm talking too quickly on this, but based on four games, they're really not good. They're not. Like this should we should be easily going five and zero, oh, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Oh no, it wouldn't surprise me if Cl- if Cliff Kingsbury gets fired by the end of this year, but we'll see. All right, yeah. So I can't wait for Friday to talk about that. Hopefully the Eagles go are uh, talking about the Eagles potentially going five and zero oh before the big game against Dallas, and it'll finally feel like a Dallas week because two teams that are the Eagles will 
will at least be in first place by then but going into that week, if not a, a tie for first place. So we'll see. Um, as always, thank you. Thank you for listening or, you know, streaming with us here on the Kelly Green Hour. You can follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHeral54. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at the Painted Lines. Follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EOP Sports. We'll be back this Friday to get you ready for the Philadelphia Eagles and Arizona Cardinals, the 4-0 Philadelphia Eagles, the only undefeated team left in the National Football League. Thank you for listening and watching the Kelly Green Hour. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently arrives. Sanders could cut.